Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden, joined as always by former Falcons fullback Ovi Mahaley. And normally, Ovi, I would ask you how you're doing, but I know how you're doing because, you know, 24 hours ago, you were in Mercedes Benz Stadium watching a game that certainly did not go well. And I guess my question for you at the beginning is, at what point in, did that, in that game did you leave or did you stay for the whole thing? Um, I was there um, to do some meet and greet, uh, you know, uh, handshaking and baby kissing and all oh, that good stuff. You. And it was, uh, it was fun. And so I had to be there darn near to the end. But I snuck away. I was like, my, I told my handlers, I was like, come, come on. I mean, you, you see the score, man. <laughs> I, I don't want to be stuck in this traffic. I mean, it's, everybody's gone. The people I'm supposed to, you know, shake hands yeah, with, they yeah. left. <laughs> all these, uh, you know, high profile people in the suite, don't name their names, but they're, uh, you know, Fortune 500 company, and they got a bunch of executives, and they're just like, we're out. Uh, it'll be nice to meet you. We're gone. I'm like, so can I leave too? No, technically you got. <laughs> so it was an interesting uh, situation, and it started off good. It was, you know, we had some food and drinks, and, you know, I got a chance to see Sean Witherspoon and my, my guy, oh, nice. William Moore, and uh, uh, the the 34 before me, Ray Buchanan, was uh, there in the suite. And, uh, Jesse Tuggle uh, made an appearance, so it was a nice uh, – chance to see some old and some new falcons and and um i don't know i had, I had a good feeling i was like you know what they're, they're gonna the spirit of these old heads is gonna give them <laughs> something to play for and we're gonna see a great game we're gonna bounce back and none of that nope. happened nope none of that happened at all no it, unfortunately it did not you and i are bad luck charms uh, we're not allowed to go to <laughs> yes. games anymore because yes. we we went to the panthers game we went or i went to the panthers game you went to uh the patriots game patriots. and Man, oh, that was so disappointing. Um, we're going to dive into that. But more importantly, I think because we're recording this Friday night, they obviously played Thursday night. We were not going to say yeah. it until 2 a.m. And, and you were at the game. So that was so we're going to talk a little bit about the game, just our reactions, but then kind of more broadly during the second half of the show, get into kind of like, where does the team go from here? Yep. You know, because we were so excited after that Saints win on the yep. road. It felt legitimate. Now, all of a sudden, God, weren't the, we, though? The wheels have totally fallen off the wagon. Um, so let's uh, let's get into that in one sec. But first, let's hear from today's sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Well, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the football and basketball action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your fifty percent off. Welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's half off, guys. That's a big deal. What are you doing? Don't just sit there. Use the promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive that bonus. So what are you waiting for? Get started. Head over to Bet Online today because it is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, do you want to do you want to begin with just like do you want to get the worst stuff out of the way from that game because there actually yeah. are some some little silver linings I can I can pull away from it as bad as it looked I, I there's some good silver I, linings I think but yeah okay. I can't wait to hear silver linings because I was there the game and I was looking trust me I was yeah. looking for a silver lining a so positive take, one. I needed a, what was that experience there. of the game what was that experience it, of the game take me through it, it. was 
I was trying to find something positive to talk about, being that, you know, I was more of a former Falcon, feel good, you know, guy to tell war stories and comment, comment yeah. on the game for these uh, uh, these fancy sweet holders. So I couldn't go full <laughs> on sports analysts and bash my former team and look like, you know, just some old curmudgeon. So uh, I tried to keep it positive. It was very hard to find positive things to say. I was like, well, it can't get any worse. Only way we can do is go up from here. And then after we, again, are breaking records or, you know, shattering uh, records that haven't been broken in a long time in the negative sense, three interceptions, three different quarterbacks, haven't been done in so long. I was just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I can't. I can't do it. Uh, I, I got to be honest. And uh, honestly, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by this team. I'm embarrassed by their effort. I'm embarrassed to be a former player right now because wow. this is not even anything close to what a team that fights look like. It doesn't look like an NFL team. We, I mean, we haven't looked look like an NFL team for two games now. Like, uh, and this is when you hear us say, "Oh, well, Alabama can compete in the NFL." <laughs> They might give the Falcons a run for their money. They'll lose, but they'll make it close when we play like this. And it's unfortunate because we have enough talent to be competitive when we play to our best. But from the coaches to our bottom-of-the-barrel players, we got outplayed. First off, how dare you, sir, in the good (laughs) state of Georgia, invoke Alabama Who's not even number one? George is number one True. as as the team. So so that was that's the first. Everyone thing does I'm that. Gonna... Everyone says Alabama, but right, Georgia <laughs> know, can right? even compete yeah. with the gosh darn Falcons. We play this this bad. It, it, it was a well, their defensive line would have absolutely ripped through Atlanta's yeah. like freaking tissue paper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that we know probably would actually happen. So before before I get into my thoughts of the game, I just want to ask you: Is there one aspect of the way the game unfolded, and I mean more kind of like the run game, pass protection, defensive lapses, pass rush, like any aspect of the game that really stood out to you watching it in person that maybe I had a different perspective watching it on television. And yeah. I'm curious to see just are we did we see the same game? You know, if we that saw makes the same sense. game. Um, you got much better close ups than I got. But what I saw was just an overall dominance in the trenches by yes. the Patriots on the offensive and defensive side, their, their O-line and D-line were, were doing, I mean, we had a couple of times where we got pressure on Mac Jones and uh, I think we sacked him once, uh, uh, once or twice and uh, things three were times, I looking think. good. Yeah. Yeah, three times. Then, yeah. I was like, Oh, yeah. we're, we're doing some good. But for the most part, um, you know, again, pass protection, the Patriots gave us some sacks, but on the run game, their offensive line, their hogs were making it to where the running backs weren't getting touched for three to five yards. And watching that in person, again, a chance to, you know, because the camera will follow the skill players, you know, all the time. I'm watching the the trenches, the, those hogs, and seeing them control the line of scrimmage pretty much every single play, every quarter, was very telling about, again, the lack of talent that we have and this lack of execution and the lack of uh, or uh, coaching I think uh, experience that you would think we have with the years with our coaches, especially DMPs, but we just got out coached and um, our players were, weren't able to live up to the expectations, which are already low. Yes. And I was disappointed in the offensive line only in the sense because, you know, it seemed like the first five games or so there was some real 
uh, positive momentum with that growth. And and now I think we're seeing that uh, a lot of that probably was a lot of it was probably uh, defenses not really knowing exactly how this offense is going to attack them because there wasn't kind of that history and profile uh, for other teams to look at. But then B, I think that um, Arthur Smith has done a really good job of giving his offensive line help in a lot of different ways. But we're mm-hmm. seeing injuries just totally obliterate uh, the offensive side of the ball, specifically, you know, not the offensive line and not the quarterback, but basically everything else. And yeah. no Corderell Patterson, no Hayden Hurst, uh, no Calvin Ridley, and the Falcons scored zero points. Uh, yeah. And the, yeah. The, biggest, the biggest takeaway for me is that this team does not deserve Matt Ryan. I mean, I felt so bad for him. Okay, okay. I'm sure he threw a pick, but he <laughs> threw two. But but I I just felt bad for Matt Ryan because you know that Monday through Saturday, he was doing everything possible to prepare this team to win the games. Yeah. And you could just see the frustration on the sidelines. Oh yeah. When when, when you're it was it was just the false starts, the penalties, the Kyle Pitts kind of not finishing off the route that turns into an interception. The fact yep. that Matt Ryan, he got hit, or he was under pressure 24 times. He got hit, knocked down 20 times yesterday. Dang, for real? Yes. I knew it was that a, a lot, was but I didn't know 20-something times. 20, according to Pro Football Focus, the Patriots registered 24 pressures on Matt Ryan. Usually, a, a team will run like 64 to 68 plays in a game if it's kind mm-hmm. of a good offensive game. Like That's a third? A third of the time, and and that's not factoring in run plays. That's not factor. I mean, that's insane. That is how much pressure he was under, and yet he still made some incredible throws. Uh, I thought, and and really was just tough. I mean, banged up his foot, uh, had a huge gash on his elbow again for the second straight week. He's bleak, uh, bleeding. Those guys need to do a better job of protecting Matt because he's thirty six. You know, he can't be taking all of these beatings <laughs> forever. Um, yeah. So, but what what do you? It sounds like you're a little surprised that I that I felt maybe maybe the the broadcast was doing, you know, Troy Aikman was really valorizing Matt Ryan kind of like, mm. oh, Matt Ryan still got it. You know, this guy just doesn't get enough credit. So maybe I'm biased. It sounds like you weren't as high on Matthew Ryan's performance. I mean, Matt, Matt is um, the best part of the team. I'll give you that. But and so I think the reason why we thought that, you know, it was, I guess, one of your silver linings was because. Everybody else is so bad. So, so yeah, even yeah. Matt's terrible performance looked good compared to the O line and the D line and the receivers and the you know the DBs and and everything else. Um, Matt uh, has not had his best two games. Uh, if you can't find a way to score points or touchdowns in what six, four, six, seven, eight quarter a long time uh, in games, multiple games, yeah. Something's wrong. If you're a hundred million dollar quarterback and you can't figure out a way to manufacture a touchdown, something's wrong because we've seen great quarterbacks do it with average talent before. That's what makes you a, a elite quarterback. That's what makes you a franchise quarterback. And Matt's all that. And we've seen him do it before. But this game, it just I granted, I get it. It's very hard when you have no offensive line. Tom Brady's release is amazing. I know we can't make everyone tom brady but he <laughs> yeah. finds ways with bad offensive lines with you know wes welkers uh, as his top receivers to to make it happen so i'm i'm not gonna let matt off the hook a lot of people 
uh, you know, talk radio or saying, you know, it's not Matt Ryan's fault. He's not the problem. No, he's not the problem, but he wasn't part of the solution either uh, this game. So it was just an all-round group effort in being terrible, <laughs> and it is something that has made it very clear, very clear that this year, next year, maybe the year after that, which is unfortunate because Matt's going to be getting older, we're not going to be competitive for a while. Uh, uh, now, I've seen some teams that need one piece or are one uh, position player away from being a Super Bowl competitor or perennial playoff competitor. We're not that. We have so many holes, so many holes, Will, to fill that, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's like, what's our best game? I guess Giants was our. our in the Saints before we had uh, yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that, that, it's probably the Saints, but yeah, that, that, our, but even our best that, game, I, we, were, we were clicking, and we were clicking against a team that didn't have a real quarterback that that couldn't really you know put up points. They had a decent defense, but when we're against a Dallas Cowboys, you know, going up against a, a real team that yeah. has real talent, you know, it's we're just going to crumble. I, I don't it's, even know. It's night and day. It is. It's night and day, and against this team, I didn't feel. I, they were better than the Cowboys, but we still just got we got beat, not not as bad as is forty three to three, but we just got beat, shut out, and just embarrassed. Uh, the Patriots and the Cowboys are the type of teams we should be able to compete with, and we can't right now. Yeah, and I I, I think everything that you said about my Ryan is totally fair. I'm not letting him off the hook for that play at, at all, and I, I think that you're right. I think a lot of other quarterbacks have shown previously that they can win games they're supposed to lose. And I, I would argue that Matt Ryan has done the same throughout his career. Um, yes. But, but it's, it's inexcusable to be shut out through seven quarters, which is yeah. the Falcons have been shut out in their last seven quarters. But he, you can't put a lot of the pre-snap penalties. You can't put, um, you know, that, that penalty that forced him out of field goal range. I, what, what is that? Two illegal yeah, formations in the same game. I mean, that's, and then, on top of that, I did a little bit of research before before the game because I just had a feeling like it was going to come. This was going to be a, an important part of this game. The Falcons yeah. are one of the worst fourth down teams converting the ball <laughs> yeah. in, in a year in a year where the league trend is seeing more fourth down attempts across the league and uh-huh. a higher rate of of success for some of the very top teams because they're being more aggressive. They're being smarter about going in on fourth and short instead of on fourth and eleven when you're trailing by. 14 and you have to go for it so the falcons are being smart and they are going for it on fourth down they just suck on fourth down i don't know what it is but like they are losing all of these games on fourth down because they cannot keep drives alive when they need to and their defense just can't like their defense did everything they could to win that game and i want to get to them in one second but the offense just can do nothing right it seems like at times they need to give my man Keith Smith the fullback. Who, yeah, I thought about our, you. I thought about you yesterday. Dude, big, big runs from him. He's an above average fullback. You know, um, yeah, he, he's he um, not not the best fullback in the league, but he's he's definitely one of the better ones. I, I think that Keith is somebody that can get you one yard if you give him the opportunity. And he had uh, mm-hmm. he had one or two plays where he got some short yardage gains. Yeah. He got the first down. So I'm like, why not give it to Keith? I never get it when you throw the ball. Five, six, seven yards back to a tailback, make him go seven yards, get to the line of scrimmage. And the fullback's right there, three yards <laughs> behind the quarterback. Yeah. He can just fall forward and get it. A good fullback, pump his legs, find a hole, bury your head in that hole, get drive leverage, your leg, yeah. and, 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 and fall forward. 
And yeah. the Falcons keep on missing these fourth down opportunities. I think, what was it? It was like third and one one time, and they went for a pass. And everyone was like, what are you doing? What are you? And they got sacked. And I was just like, they, they have no faith in, with good reason, in their run game because Mike Davis is not scaring anybody. And so I want to, you know, I want to ask you about Mike Davis. Are you, have you officially Jesus. sold all of your Mike Davis stock? Because he finished I, third on the team last night behind Quadri Allison and Keith Smith with one really? yard, one yard in that game. Are you serious? He had one rushing yard. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that, yeah, that that's all you need sale. to know, man. The, Mike Davis is not coming back next year. I guarantee you, he's not being invited back to the Falcons unless, and Terry Fontenot seems like a smart guy. The Mike Davis experiment didn't turn out like we wanted it to. It looked great in the offseason. He the old tree trunk legs and what he yeah. did with the Panthers and some of his old highlights looked exciting. And I would say, hey, this is Mike Turner light, you know, and anything close to Mike Turner is a good thing for the Falcons. We can have, you know, somebody uh, rumbling and stumbling and got some speed and power. He, I don't know what it is. Like, he's not as bad as Todd, the Todd Gurley experience. He's not that bad, but. Actually, it might be worse. I don't know. Todd, he, statistically, so far, is worse. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just know so that far. Todd Gurley was, it was, just, I, I just keep on seeing him trying to stop before he scores a touchdown and scored and just football IQ not being there. <laughs> he, he knew that it was his last. Is he even playing anywhere this year, Todd Gurley? No, he's, he's, he's out, but he did. He did have like one 100 yard game last year, so I he's he was better than what Mike Davis has produced so far. Uh, yeah. Thank God this team has Cordell Patterson. Or I mean, we'd yes. legitimately be looking at probably like an zero and nine team, right, or like a one and eight team right now, and that's oh, yeah. scary to think about. Abs Cordell Patterson by himself has won us multiple games by himself. So <laughs> we we yeah. see that when he's not in the game. Our, you know, Swiss Army knife is, uh, you know, incapacitated and we're struggling to find a big play. Kyle Pitts is uh, inconsistent right now. Uh, we, we got excited when he had two back to back hundred yard games and and now He's young, and, we're like, and they Kyle, took him away. Yeah. They took him away yesterday. They, they did they a, knew a lot they, of that, stuff. That's the yeah. only guy that can hurt him. Right. Cordell Patterson is gone. Like our other big play guys, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, it's almost like we need an asterisk next to not 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 to say that we do because he's still going to do amazing things, I think. And we still have a decent left uh, part of the schedule left to go. But he he came in expecting to be a primary focus and maybe even the primary focus, but not to this level. I mean, he didn't expect to be like a a tree with no limbs. I mean, he's like literally the only thing to to look at. There's nothing else branching off to, to help him out. But I think, you know, you talk about the lack of, of big plays. I think arguably the biggest play of the game for Atlanta yesterday, A.J. Terrell making an incredible yeah. interception. They you know, literally, there's your bright spot. There's your silver yes. lining. That, so we're going to talk about, was... you like this segue, we're going to defense. Because yes. they, they showed this, they broke it down, and it was an amazing, it was a really good route concept because basically they isolated A.J. Terrell. They ran a wheel route, and then they ran kind of a up-the-seam route where it isolated against a single high safety, A.J., to make a decision to cover the outside guy or the inside guy, AJ mm. takes like one kind of step towards the outside, which is why Mac tries to like needle or rope it into the inside guy. And AJ immediately just breaks back, jumps up, great catch, huge return. Yeah, I thought skills. he was going to score. I mean, I was hoping he'd score. This dude is legitimately one of the best, I think, cornerbacks already that the Falcons have had in the last two, three decades. I mean, he's on yeah. that short list. Yes. Absolutely. I, I think uh, 
AJ, like you mentioned, he is a, a real bright spot. Like when that happened, everyone in the sweet I was in, we threw our hands up, we were high five, and we was like, that, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. If we can get yeah. everyone playing like that, balling like that, you know, that's Falcon football. And um, I remember being saying now all we got to do is make sure we convert on this. There's nothing worse yep, than having a yep. turnover and as an offense not being able to convert on that. Like as the defender, like I did my job. I got the ball back. I even get you, got you guys close to the end zone. Just <laughs> yeah. score some damn points, Jesus. And I think that was the uh, drive where we went for it on fourth or maybe that was the one where we missed the field goal. I don't know, but it was we came up with no points, obviously. Yep. And it was um, something that just – took all the uh, the air out the room because we're like, if we can't capitalize off things like this, then what are we doing? Like, well, the, yeah, the defense not loses night. some of their, they lose some of, of their, the, obviously momentum, but uh, their, their faith and their, that fire to go hard to know if we just give our offense a chance, they're going to do something. They're like, you know what? We can give them all the chances in the world. They're not going to do shit yeah screw those guys <laughs> like what, what more do you want us to have as defense yeah it's it, I, that's i'm i'm glad that you brought that up because i i completely agree i mean i would be very upset if i was grady jarrett being like guys i'm getting my ass kicked up and down but i'm doing yep. my job so like what are you guys doing okay yep. so because the silver lining that i came in mainly i was thinking of the defense because i did at least see on that side of the unit yes they gave up 25 points but really they just gave up what 16, 15, because one of those was was a pick six. Um, I think that they at least came in like they were pissed off at the result of the Cowboys game. I do yes. think that they came in and at least played hard. They were, to me, to me, Richie Grant is the living embodiment of the phrase, if you're going to make a mistake, make it at 100 miles an hour. He's making a, uh, he's making a lot of mistakes and he's flying yes. right past the dude when he's doing it. Um, but he's playing hard. I thought Darren Hall, another rookie, was playing really hard and actually making some really good plays kind of in the in uh, run support. I do think, yeah. I mean, th- this to me is they're probably casualties of circumstance when it comes to just a scheme change. I think Deion Jones and, and Foye just, I don't know if their skill set matches what Dean Pease wants to do as much as it matched what Dan Quinn wanted to do, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. he's the guy that drafted them. But at times, like, throughout their careers, I mean, Dion certainly and, and Foye, you know, recently they've been such, they've been the impactful guys kind of on Atlanta's defense, you know, outside of yep. Grady Jarrett, it was Dion and Foye making all, and they're making tackles, but they're just not as impactful as they used to be. So, you know, again, it, it can be hard for play, like scheme changes are real. These guys may be playing and doing different things that aren't really where their talents lie, but it's just kind of what the scheme necessitates. So they've got to do it. Um, so, uh, but I think by and large, the energy and the effort was there for much more of the game than it could have been. They, this team, the last two years, I think that this is another like 38 to seven, like blow. And it's, it's like seven points when there's three minutes left and Matt Schaub is in the game and, and just yeah. kind of taking him down the field and cool. They, they score on a Hayden Hurst, you know, four yard touchdown pass when nobody's in the building. Uh, that's yeah. what this game would have been the last couple of years. And I don't think that we deserve to give this game any more credit than we would give a loss like that. But I do think that on a night where nothing, nothing, nothing was worth giving praise to AJ Terrell. And at least I think the defense gave effort in this game, which <laughs> if that's the best thing you're saying, 
then that tells you just how bad this loss was. So yeah, let's they, all- they, they give effort, but they got sliced and diced. Like they, they, yeah, they the did. running backs for the Patriots. I didn't say it was pretty. Running, they were running through these guys, so they 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 tried, but I I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just know that we need some bodies up there defensive line and, and bodies mm-hmm. that can actually assist Grady Jarrett, not just be there because Grady's gonna get double teamed. We know that, but. If unless we find some 320 pound like you know stud that we can either draft or get in the free agency, we're gonna get people running on us. And if you are having the ball run down your throat and you can't run the ball, you're losing the vast majority of your games. And that's where we're at with the Falcons. We're, we're getting the ball run down our throat and we can't run the ball and we're gonna lose the majority of our games. That's simple. Yeah, <laughs> you got guys like Anthony Rush and uh, Jonathan Bullard or the two guys making plays next to Grady Jarrett uh, last night. And if you had to ask who, that's exactly the point. So let's, uh, let's, we kind of, I think, have talked a lot about just the, the state of the Falcons, but let's, let's specifically right here pivot and talk about just where do the Falcons go from here? They have seven games left on their schedule. Uh, it's much harder than the first seven that they played. Uh, you've got... Yep. Tampa Bay left. You've got San Francisco, Buffalo, New Orleans again. Um, but they do have Jacksonville up first. And they do have a little bit of a, a mini bye week here. I know that the perfect scenario for Arthur Smith would have been you at least split one of these last two and you're back at 500. You're five and five going into yep. a little mini bye week because you had your bye week so early. And, and you're saying, you guys, we got seven games left, seven game, a seven game season to make or break up the playoffs. That's essentially kind of what it would do. They don't have that luxury anymore. They have to get back to work. They can't afford to, to kind of take a break. And, and he said, I think he said, Arthur Smith today, that they were 3-22 and 22 on third down over their last two games. Good. That, That's good. that is insane. And, and I mean, nobody there should be happy for it or happy about it. But as I mentioned at the top, you and I were really happy after that Saints game. I, I don't think we either were, of us saw it coming, and we were super we pleasantly were, surprised. And I said <laughs> that, you know, after them collapsing and barely winning it, like, I'm excited that they were up on a team that much, but they, they, mm-hmm. they showed us who they are. And as my mother and wife always say, when people show you who they are, believe them. First time. Don't keep on trying to make you know, this this person or this team, this group out to be something else. So I really still feel like they're the, no, no, no. They showed you who they are. Believe them. They are a team that cannot compete against elite top tier talent. And um, they showed us that against the Cowboys. And we saw it again versus the Patriots. And, you know, this is a, a team that I think is going to struggle to beat the Jaguars. Like I, if I was a bet man, I choose them to lose this game, too, because they are not enough, uh, I think, veteran voices and veteran leadership. Matt can scream till the cows come home, but because this is a team of journeymen and a team of guys and not high-tier top NFL talent, Russell Gage and Taze Sharp and Alamide Zacchaeus aren't getting in front of a meeting room and commanding any respect from any offense, and we're not going to be able to have, I think, the ability to come back together and play like a team that's just pissed off, mad, angry, but can control that rage enough to be able to put a product on the field that is worthy of an NFL team. I've seen um, good teams do that. I've been been a part of, you know, Ray Lewis-led Ravens teams and, you know, Tony Gonzalez-led Falcons teams where 
we're not going to lose back-to-back games. We're not going to be embarrassed like that. It's just not going to happen on their watch. They have to go down the line, look each person in the eye, and, and look look into their soul and have them promise, not promise, but you know, just really dedicate themselves to practice, to film, to getting rest, leaving the girls alone, to not drinking, to really doing every little thing you can to come back and put something on film that makes the name on the front and the back of your jersey proud, they'll do that. And they'll command that respect to make that happen. Falcons don't have that right now. And and Falcons have um, so much probably uh, confusion and different people having different solutions and different excuses and different reasons. This is where fall apart right now, right here. This is where teams can kind of say, one, two, three, Kiku! You know, and, and say, what? Has a, anybody what, ever broken down the huddle on Cancun? Has anybody Hell ever done yeah, that? Yeah, we have. My, what? The Bobby Petrino here, D'Angelo Hall used to be, all right, one, two, three, Cancun. Um, when we were like, oh, you know, hell yeah. two and like eight, it, we were just talking about what we we're doing for the bye week. Where well, we're all my money well, back on those season tickets, man. If you guys were breaking it down to Cancun, hey. somebody uh, should have let everybody know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, y'all should probably seen product on the field that we were checked out. But uh, uh, the Falcons are in danger of that happening, especially with the younger guys and the guys who know I'm not going to be here next year. Mike Davis is like, you know, I want to go hard because I'm angry. But at the same time, you know, forget it. You know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Some of these younger guys like, yeah, I'm going to go hard. But it's just do, do I really have to go hard? Because some of these other guys aren't going that hard. Why am I going to hurt myself? Why am I going to act like this is life or death? We're not playing for the playoffs. We're not going to the Super Bowl. We just have some games. Like we're, we're not going to be in any meaningful football games moving forward because they know even more than we know that they're not a competitive team or a team anyone's going to take seriously. And hopefully we can change that with some masterful um, trades and pickups and, uh, free agent signings in the offseason, but this is not going to be a team that Falcons fans are going to be excited about for uh, for a while. And I'm sorry to say, but that's that's the truth. You know, it's it's interesting because I was on um, the Falcolic Live podcast this week, uh, Wednesday night before Patriots game, and we were kind of talking about you know potential scenarios, and and I threw one out and posed the question: Would you rather this team finish the year nine and eight? and make it kind of as a tiebreaker into the seventh seed in the playoffs? Or would you rather have them finish 6-11 and 11 and be somewhere in the middle of the draft? And the, the three of, of the four of us said 6-11. and 11. I was the only person that said, hell no. Get them to be 9-8 and eight and get them into the playoffs. And my thought was, because, because their, their thought was, they didn't want to watch the Falcons kind of back into the playoffs and then just get rolled by Aaron Rodgers in the first round. Fine. I don't want to watch that either. Um, but I think we're nobody is under any illusions about what this team is. The fact that they have accomplished what they've accomplished is kind of we're celebrating because it's a little bit unexpected. And we're all aware of that. This season wasn't ever supposed to kind of reach the playoffs, even though people kind of talk themselves into that as we crept closer to the year. But if the team did back into the playoffs, 
That doesn't mean they're winning the Super Bowl. That doesn't mean we should expect them to. But I pose that question because the value of having your young guys go through the entire season with games meaning something and understanding fully what it means to play now an 18-week schedule. And yeah, it's cold outside. It's December 27th, but we got practice. You got to strap it up. Make sure you're wearing a hoodie, an extra layer, because it's going to be, you know, it's going to hurt a little bit more when you get hit. But we got a game on Sunday that matters, and we've got to be ready to go. You just instill that mentality and that toughness. And the worst thing, I think, for a young team and a new regime is is fading out quickly. Now, the Falcons, if they win on on Sunday, which, again, this is the NFL. It is a week-to-week league. I mean, the the Jags, you know, not that this is the great greatest point in the world to bring up when we're about to play the Jags, but the Jags did beat the Bills. So, you know, you you can see teams that aren't supposed to win win from one week to the next. It, it does happen. Yeah. Um, if they win on Sunday, like, then then your your guys are still in. I mean, it's six and seven, and sure, you're you're. It's not going to be. Pr- or it's five and seven at that point, right? Yep. Um, six. They'd be they win. five and six. Five and six. There God, you go. Is- math. <laughs> your math was a mathing right there. Oh, you got me confused. Uh, I was like, I was, like, dude, I was like, correct yeah. or, or am I wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. Let me do my no, math. All right, you'd be you'd be five and six with a win next week. So you're, I mean, sure, but it. it all that matters is the Falcons just keep playing catch up to 500 and they can't get above it. And they can't get above it because they are outmatched dramatically by pretty much any team that's above average. Um, So Ovi, before we wrap up the conversation, the last question I'm going to ask you from what you've seen so far, do you think the Falcons are further away from a, a roster standpoint, or do you think the coaching this season has let them down in against these biggest, you know, the, the fact that they've only scored three points against their two best opponents since they, they started kind of catching fire after week two? Because I think watching last night's game, at least the coaching staff tried, at least Dean Pease tried to assert himself in this game with Blitz. You know, you're not just going to let an offense beat you. You got to make them beat you. And he, he at least tried to make the Patriots beat the Falcons. But when you're three and twenty-two on third down, like that's a coaching thing. So, like, help me yeah. make sense as a former player. Like, what do you see when you watch the product that the Falcons are putting out there on Sundays? There's blame for everybody. There's blame to go everywhere. But uh, I'd say majority uh, or, or mostly it's the talent. Uh, I've raved about I this agree. for for a while, and like, there's nothing a coach can do about an office lineman just getting flat ass run over. You know, being a, just being unable to bow up, you know, get low and keep your quarterback safe. Like, you know, obviously there are some things you can do to use a running back to chip uh, before he goes out to his flat or before he goes to his route as a coordinator or as a head coach. But at some point you have to ask your 300 pound, you know, multi-million dollar offensive tackle to block like a 300 pound multi-million dollar offensive tackle. At some point yeah. that has to happen. And too often it's not happening. Actually, Repeatedly, it's not happening. And that's where Terry Fontenot has one hell of a job in front of him because he was brought here because he was able to find diamonds in the rough for the Saints. And we have to find some diamonds in the rough uh, here and develop guys. You have to find a above-average player and turn him into a great, like they did with Grady Jerry. Grady had some you know, hidden talent there that had him drop to the fourth, fifth round. People didn't see it. We have to find those guys. We have to find the great Jarrett's of the world that can turn into Pro Bowl players. Because if not, the Falcons uh, are in the cap space to just go and grab 
every uh, top tier defender or big name receiver. We're not in that spot because a good old Thomas Dimitrov left us with a parting gift of a uh, you know crappy uh, cat, uh, cat position. So um, I, I'm hoping that we can make some uh, real smart decisions with personnel after the season and find a way to add some more value to this roster because we need it. I couldn't agree with you more. I, it was kind of a stark, frankly, contrast. And I know that the Falcons were missing a lot of their key guys on offense and, you know, a few guys on defense. But still, it was, I, I mean, watching JV versus varsity at times uh, last yeah. night. I mean, seeing Jalen Mayfield get blown Jesus. into the backfield right next to, to yeah. Matt Hennessy, who's meeting him back there at, at Matt. It's like they were yeah. having a backwards race to see who could party. get to Matt Ryan first. Um, yeah, the party. They, they missed him too much. But unfortunately, this, you know, too many times the last couple of seasons, we've been the most exciting part of this time of the year has been the speculation about what the offseason will bring. And yep. it seems like we're in we're heading in that direction once again. I don't want to call man. it just yet because I think the uh the Jags game offers at least uh maybe the only chance to kind of turn this this thing around because they got the Bucks yeah. after that, but I don't think I'm going to uh, bet online to to place any bets on that Falcons Jags game. I think I'm going to be uh, staying away from that one. So yikes. Um, yeah, but, your heart wants to say the Falcons are going to bounce back and your head says have you been watching the last two games this is a snowball of negative momentum that's not going to be able to be turned around Like I, I just feel like the Jaguars where we're all saying comeback game, revenge game get back on track game which is what I'm, this <laughs> Patriots game is supposed to be and we might go into 8 quarters 9 quarters, 10 quarters without scoring a touchdown I just have this sinking feeling, like I mentioned before, that we don't have the the balls uh, in our players to be able to, you know, just sack up and, and, and turn this shit around. We 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 don't. And I I, I love Foy. I love Dion. I, I love uh, you know some of the the guys who uh, I do are, too. Are I mean, this yeah. team. But I'm right there with you. I don't feel like we have enough of those guys, and the voices aren't loud enough to be able to get enough people's attention to, to, to really turn the ship around. I feel like it's a sinking ship that we're going to be having the what's going to happen in the offseason conversation really strong in two to three weeks. Hopefully I'm wrong, but that's where I, I see this going. Unfortunately, I think I agree with you, and I think that Matt Ryan is going to get to know uh, not quarterback Josh Allen, but Jags defensive end Josh Allen um, mm. a good bit on <laughs> uh, the next time they play, which will not be... This Sunday, it will be Next the following Sunday, Sunday. So you guys will not hear from Ovi and I again on uh, Sunday night, Monday morning, but you're probably getting this Saturday morning. So that's basically close enough for you guys. So you can deal with that. Um, Ovi and I need to figure out a probably like a Thanksgiving schedule to yep. preview uh, that Jags game, um, which I mean, man, I, I would rather be eating turkey, but we love you all for listening and we care about you and we do this for you guys. Uh, so we will figure out a time to do that before we get out of here. Ovi, any parting thoughts? Nah, man. I, parting thought is that I, I just, um, I hate that the Falcons have to wait so long to get this taste out their mouth. Cause last, I guess the Cowboys, I'm like, good thing they can get this taste out their mouth quick. And now they have to wait extra long and just kind of sit in this two game, uh, pit of sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this, and failure. Um, 
But hey, you know, it's a chance to watch more film and prepare. It reminds me of uh, like when you you party way, 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 way too hard one night. So you wake up and you're like, well, little hair of the dog, right? Like that's supposed to work. So then you kind of roll it over into the next day. And then it just doubles down, and now you've got a basically a three day hangover working. That that's yeah. kind of what I feel like the Falcons are in. They they thought, you know what? Maybe we can we can use this. Maybe we can use this feeling and uh, and bounce back and just kind of yeah. pick right back up. Nope. Now you got to sit in it and feel like crap for a few days. Yeah. Um, but that'll do it for us this week and this episode, uh, which was presented by Bet Online. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please let everybody know, like, and subscribe. Uh, DM. Me on Twitter at Will McFadden at Ovi Mahaley 34. Uh, any questions? Let us know uh, any thoughts on the show. But thank you guys again. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we're thankful for all of you. Spend some time with your family. Watch some non Falcons football and take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.